Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. You're listening to Griefcast with me, Carrie Adloyd. How do we grieve for someone? How does it change and evolve as we get older? My dad died when I was 15 and it took me many, many years to be able to express what I had gone through. So I decided to create Griefcast, a chance to talk, share and laugh about the weirdness of grief and death. But with comedians, so it's not that depressing, I promise. Each time I talk to a different comedian about their own personal experience of grief as we remember someone that they have lost along the way. Whether it was a long time ago or you've just joined the club, this is a chance to talk about the peculiar human process of death. Welcome to Griefcast. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey Griefsters, I hope you're having an okay week. I've got some exciting news. I will be doing a live show at the upcoming London Podcast Festival this September. I'm really excited. I love doing the live shows. If you haven't been to one before, um, there's only been two, so that's probably why, but (laughs) they are a lot lighter than our normal show. Just have a really nice, friendly chat about death and mortality and funeral canapes I mean yes you know the usual fare Um, I'm also going to be joined for this live show by some really exciting guests Andrew Hunter-Murray from the No Such Thing as a Fish podcast and also Ostentatious the show I do with him and also all the way from America Erin Gibson from the absolutely incredible Throwing Shade podcast is going to be my guest as well so if you would like to come and see that we'll be on the 15th of September at 7pm head to the King's Place website you can find all the details of the live grief cast and also all the other live shows that are taking part in the festival as well there's some absolutely amazing podcasts doing shows so do check check it out and just because i sort of have to say it if you're enjoying the show please do rate review or subscribe as it means more people can find out about what we're doing and then i can keep making them which is just a nice way to make sure that the conversations about death keep on happening and if you have already done it thank you very much This week, I'm talking to stand-up writer, actor and podcaster, Jessica Foster-Q. Jess hosts the very funny and enlightening Hoovering podcast and is one of the regular co-hosts of The Guilty Feminist. She starred in Motherland, hosts the comedy club on Radio 4 Extra and has written for Have I Got News For You, 8 Out of 10 Cats and Mock the Week. Jess came in to talk to me about her nana, who died when she was in her early 20s. Welcome to Griefcast. I'm here today with stand-up comedian and writer Jess Foster Q. Hello. Hello. I always want to. Go, it's taken me years to not call you For- Fortescue. I know it's a more popular name. <laughs> but it's tell the, me, tell everyone what it, your what your name's Foster Q means. Fost, I still, I love it that you're having to force it out quite. Fostercue. Um, I once was introduced by someone who was so nervous about saying my name wrong that they introduced me as Jeffrey Fostercue. <laughs> I've known you for so long, but I still, in my head... Foster Q, it's Foster Q, like Foster Q Gardens. Foster Q. Oh, that's helpful. Mm. Foster Q. But no R if you're writing it. Foster Q. Yeah, Yeah, but what does it mean? I like Oh, it's Anglo-Saxon and it means strong shield. I think that's so cool. Yeah. I think that sounds quite defensive. Strong shield. Yeah. No wonder I'm not very good at taking criticism. (laughs) Um, But then then you think, oh, apparently in those medieval times, shields were as much of a weapon as the sword. Oh, yeah, they were. So it just means like Like pretty nifty in the battlefield yeah because like in lord of the rings the dwarfs use their swords yeah. and their shields to yes cover exactly people. i'm one of i'm from one of those i'm <laughs> i'm descendant from um gimli the great. from gimli from gimli the great <laughs> and you do a podcast yourself which yeah. i've been on thanks for that well, we should talk about it briefly if you yeah. want to mine's about eating do you find though like does everyone because everyone's obviously obsessed with asking me why about death is everyone like why about eating is that like everyone's first question do you know what no because I think even when people are um, have lots of um, issues around eating Mm. 
I mean, often the more issues people have got around eating, the more they're like, oh my God, I love eating. <laughs> so, I mean, everyone says that they, everyone, everyone's into food, aren't they, in yeah, one way or yeah. another. And actually, yeah. I've already spoken to one person who was like, no, I just do it to survive. That's fascinating. Yeah. Um, but even then, there's, there can there's be joy a story, in it. Yeah, there's yeah. always this, even that is a fascinating story. Everybody I'm going to talk eats. to someone soon who's got no sense of taste. Oh. Mm. Stuff like that, you know, wow. and they're like, oh, I think I, I don't think you want to talk to me. Cause the, and I was like, oh, no, I really want to talk to you. Who are we remembering today? My Nana Foster Q, Helinda. Oh, Nana Foster yeah. Q. What was her name? Helinda. Helinda? Mm-hmm, she's Austrian. I've never heard that name, though, even in my time in Austria and Germany. <laughs> Helinda. Like Helinda. Belinda, but with an H. Yes, in fact, she had a daughter called Belinda. No. Yes. She thought, I know what's going to go well with this name. Yeah, well, Helinda I don't know. And Bel- Helinda und Belinda. Helinda und Belinda and Keith. <laughs> <laughs> she called my dad Keith Colin. Keith? I know, and I That's think very only English, isn't it? kind of... It's very English, but I think it screams to me of someone who's not English's idea of what a good English name is in the 50s. Keith Collin. So, okay, so Helinda is Austrian. Yeah. But she she... married my granddad, Gordy, who's still with us, whose name isn't Gordon, it's Arthur. (laughs) Why is he called Gordy? Arthur, should call him. Um, I don't know, I started calling him that, and now the whole family have for. Approx 32 years. Gordy? Yeah. Oh, did you think you couldn't say granddad or something? Um, well, the, at the time, do you know, my, so my family all drink a lot and no one can remember anything. <laughs> <laughs> and I was two, so I've got that excuse. At least, yeah, I, I, at least it's not because I, I was shit-faced. Um, I was two, <laughs> I was two, a lot of wine. I don't remember it. But no, um, there might have been a Thomas the Tank Engine element. Oh, although yeah, Although that's highly disputed. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it might just be I, I just think it suited him better yeah um, yeah, it's nice um, Gordy ha- had and uh, still has like a fabulous not quite a comb over but his hair's it's not bald on top but it's much thinner and what he's done is grow he's grown the top out very very long and he just sort of swirls it round <laughs> um, until Belinda his daughter cuts it for him um, and my little sister Amy's much younger than me when she was a toddler so I was in my early 20s, she used to unravel it and flap it over the other way. So it was all dangling down and to call him Penelope. And he had to, he had to, be, and he went along with it. He's still, he'll happily play My Name's Penelope now if his hair gets long enough. I'm crying. <laughs> and it's this old man that being forced yeah. into drag by yeah, his basically, it's like RuPaul comes to Farnborough. <laughs> Why does she want to do that? She's very cheeky. I'm funny. She is. Yeah, I've had lots of stories about Amy. She's quite so Helinda. So Helinda is growing up in Austria. Yeah, she grew up in Austria and uh, uh, during the rise of Hitler. Right. We should mention. I mean, it's a bit of a caveat with Helinda, isn't it? Yeah. I'm laughing because I know it, but the thing you should know about Helinda is. Oh God. Yeah. I mean, basically, she was brought up as. Um, oh God. <laughs> oh, so she was brought up under Nazi rule. Yeah. So. <laughs> Come on, Jess. Her dad, her dad, my gross papa, yeah. my great grandfather, was a Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! I but to put it in context, it's so bad to laugh. You're sort of embarrassed it's about it, like so bad. Oh, of course, I'm like, embarrassed about know, it, Gariad. <laughs> Oh God! Is that really I funny? It's my... like that Mitchell and Webb sketch of like you know when they go, oh, are we the baddies? Like I imagine yeah. you growing up being like learning about the war and the Nazis and being like, oh, it was Grandma. A Nazi. Yeah. So it was. It, 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 there's. It's fascinating. Obviously, Nazis aren't funny. I must say that I'll get no. complaints. Nazis. No. Not... I mean, Nazis aren't funny 
but only insofar as like when something's the worst thing it can be, it's also a bit funny. <laughs> but also, okay, so so to this is not defending it, but this mm. is the what the situation of yeah, the family the tr- was. Just what it was yeah, yeah, so her parents had, I think there were lots of kids. This, I've tried to find out these facts yeah. for our chat today. And no one knows. No one in my drunk family knows. <laughs> um, I think she had like seven or six or seven brothers and sisters. Right, okay. And they were brought up in a ha- abject poverty. Wow. Um, there were depression after depression and very, very hard to find work. And a very, very, her father was very, very prideful. Right. Um, oh, my word, I have some stories for you about okay. him. <laughs> which explain a lot about her. Yeah. And then suddenly Hitler comes along, and from their point of view... He's a suave guy saying some good stuff. I don't know that they... I don't... To be honest, I genuinely don't know that they were ever that down with his politics. Mm. But honestly, in reality, they went from a constant, brutal struggle to all having jobs. And everyone they knew had jobs. Because he built loads of roads before he started his warring. He (laughs) had a huge economic campaign. He loved his roads. He was good with road building. (laughs) So anyway, so so my great-grandfather had work for the first time. Um, Constant work. They could all eat. They didn't have to worry about having enough food. And so, of course, they loved him. And and also, they were brainwashed. She was a kid. She was a little kid. And I have got her school books. Wow. And it is insane. So when I was growing up in Dorset, in night when you're like eight or nine, and we all had to bring in artifacts from our grandparents. (laughs) I had my English grandparents from my mum's side. I had all the usual stuff, same stuff as everyone else: a gas mask, ration books. Oh yeah, yeah, ration books. Those amazing kind of like. Hard leather holdalls that you'd oh, keep your gas yeah, mask and your yeah. lunch in and stuff. And then from my other side of my family, I had these school books written in the most incredible Gothic yeah. German where they would have to ha- take cuttings from the newspaper, which was just full of propaganda. It was all just wow. pictures of Hitler and articles about how great he was. And they had to paste them into their books and write them out over and over <gasps> again, drilling in all this propaganda oh, about him, God. how he was, how the Führer was like a deity wow. and infallible and so our saviour. they just savior. copied the papers? Yeah, they copied the newspapers. I mean, I'm sure they did other stuff as well. Wow. But a big part of their education for little kids yeah. was... Just, so they were totally brainwashed. Of course, yeah. But obviously, as she got older, I only ever met her once she was, in my eyes, this old lady. Yeah, she probably, yeah. You know, she obviously wasn't. She was in her 50s, I think, yeah. when I was born. But she, um, maybe in her early 60s, but she was, by that point, I mean comparative to that child I imagine yeah a liberal and living in England she yeah. married and she it got to the end of the war and I imagine there was a I never was old enough before she died or that's not true but she wasn't the sort of person who was up for conversations yeah about yeah. things like well, it shame must be so over hard your to talk own about. Yeah, history yeah. you know I've met lots of I remember going on German exchange as a teenager and there's so there was so much obvious shame and such a strange embracing of American culture. All the German yeah. teenagers we were paired with had loads of American flags and stuff in their rooms. They're all idolising America because there's so much disgust over their own national yeah, history. Yeah. And um, and whereas with her, with my with Nana, I don't think that was part of it. I think she. There, it was there, but it was never discussed. Yeah, yeah. But there was some re- residual racism, definitely. Yeah. And I don't know whether I think that it's. I think she's obviously from a generation who are a lot more racist than our generation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, standard, um, but with her, that it was 
I think there was probably a bit more, but it's so complicated because I think if you ever challenged her on it, I've got, I mean, I've got some stories. <laughs> so I feel like that's all very negative and I need to also make it clear that she... She just lived through a war from the other yeah, side. Yeah, I think that's definitely. I think that's like it's definitely part of it. Yeah. Like they were all. I can't. It's so hard for us to imagine like all being involved. And actually, funny yeah. enough, I was listening. My uncle sent me a talk that my grandpa did very recently, and I haven't heard my grandpa's voice for like twenty years. And it's him talking about his experience as being a Japanese prisoner of war. Yeah. And he was in, like, Changi Jail. He built the bridge over the River Kwai. Like, he had complete, like, over in Asia. That was his war. Incredible. And he was an incredible man, incredible speaker. And he's talking about these things. And he talks about how the Japanese treated them and how he learned to forgive them. And how he then, when they went back to Wales, invited the first, like, Japanese person over and, like, worked, like, showed them to his family. Because he had this big thing of, like, this was a war. Wow. Everyone was doing what they were told. But he says in the talk, my wife was less liberal <laughs> and my grandma was, yeah, utterly, like, hated Japanese people her whole really? entire life. And then my brother married a Japanese woman. It was pretty awkward. Yeah. Um, but I think it's, you know, like... Well, I think there was like, a similar thing in like the sense now, that... Yeah, that so my, my great-grandfather, Grosspapa, who is... So the tooth stories about him, are, I mean, he once um, had a wobbly tooth... And he genuinely tied a bit of string around it and had his wife slam a door. No, my God. Um, But he was very, very quickly captured by Allied forces. So that's Helinda's dad, right? He was very quickly captured by Allied forces Mm. and in an Allied um, prisoner of war camp for almost the entire Second World War. So he didn't do any fighting. Wow. And he was fed on like onion water and he was emaciated. But other, you know, other than not, not being fed very well, he was, he wasn't treated yeah. particularly you know unfairly or anything so I think it's the same thing when then his daughter goes on to marry at the uh, end of the war my granddad yeah. Gordy an English I mean he never did any fighting in the war either he just went over and well, sounds a bit did quite a lot of romantic cavorting <laughs> during the tidy up um, someone's got yes. to he's losing his memory now and a lot of his inhibitions um, <laughs> sounds like him Nana was one of many until he fell in love um, with her um, yeah so I'm I again my family aren't open enough for me to know for sure, but I imagine there was some tension yeah. over the fact that she had fallen in love with an Englishman and then moved here. Like now, like if that happened now, like I was trying to think, my you know, to be fair to my grandma, she was quite cold lady sometimes. <laughs> but um I'm being polite. But she <laughs> to be fair to her, like her husband went off to war. Well, he was captured quite quickly as well. Like they didn't really do any fighting. They were on a boat to Java, he said, and then they got caught. So it was like they were already pissed off because they were yeah. training. Massive Cardiff regiment. And then for four years, you know, she didn't and he came back and he was six stone. <gasps> yeah, like and he nearly died three times. To- so like you can see from a yeah. woman who hasn't travelled or seen the world yeah. that you're just like well the Japanese did this whereas my grandpa was like and his big story was he always said that one one day he was in the camp and a, a very low Japanese soldier got out of his van delivered a letter then, but kept the, the truck running and then came back and hit an officer saw that he'd been keeping the truck running which is a waste of petrol mm. got him out beat the shit out of him made him get back in the truck turn it on turn it off got him out beat the shit out did this basically till this soldier was like half dead oh and my grandpa watched the whole thing and he said that was his turning point because he said if they treat he said his words if they treat their own people like that mm. then it, what does like 
no wonder they're treating us like that. Yeah. And that's not to, I have Japanese family now. That's not yeah. to say Japanese people are cruel. No, no, it's, it's not, just like it's not that, a cultural thing. Yeah, this he is was just like, a that was two sides of a war. Yeah, and yeah. he was like, well, that's what's happening to their own soldiers. So no wonder they're not giving us food and they're beating shit up. That's what I'm living with. So yeah. he said that changed his opinion of everything. So he was like, well, everyone's it's, it's just it's, war. It's everyone thinks they're on the. Everyone, Everyone the thinks right they're the goodie. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Like say, it's like that sketch, yeah. that, this realisation. doesn't happen until well after the fact. Yeah. Also, and I think that what happened to Gross Papa really informed a lot of things about my nana in terms of, again, that stuff to do with weight, stuff to do with yeah, food. Yeah, It's a huge part of my memories of her. And also, I mean, it's just stuff to do with massively repressing your emotions. Yeah, yeah. So he got to... I met him twice as a toddler... Um, and then I think maybe again about five years old. We was he still living there. in Germany? Austria. Austria. So they were still yeah. in Austria. Yeah. So she was the only one who sort of. She left. was the only one, and all her brothers and sisters stayed there, wow. and they became very wealthy and successful and quite competitive. I think there were lots of big family fallouts over money. Oh wow. Ooh, I don't know. I was never privy to it, yeah. and I even didn't find this out until uh, years after the fact. But when I was about ten or eleven. I was vaguely aware that Grosspapa had died. I think he was nearly 90. Yeah. And much, much later I found out that he died because he'd had been having some troubles with urine, urinary tract stuff, yeah. few, few infections. He'd gone to the doctors and they'd said, yes, you know, you're getting to a certain age. You probably will have some problems now with incontinence. But, you know, I don't know. I'm talking like a doctor would talk yeah, now. Yeah. Perhaps they were quite severe about it. But obviously now we know. Yeah, and this isn't. You know, this is twenty, twenty few years ago. Yeah, this that's this all sorts you can do. Anyway, he just that's all he heard, and he came home and hung himself. <gasps> Fucking hell! Yeah, you're joking. No, because he was like, "That's it. I'm, oh, I'm, I'm not living that. He's too so prideful. I'm not living like that." Can Whoa, you believe it? that is that is intense. But also, so that's huge, and then no one tells anyone. Oh, God. No one talks about it. No one... I found out from my mum, who was like, oh, God, I thought we told you that. I knew we weren't allowed to tell you at the time or something, but I thought... So that's and then, her, dad, and, 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 her and then that seeps down and down and down. So when my parents broke up when I was 11, Nana and Gordy found out because I let slip to them. Oh, uh, yeah, they yeah. They hadn't told them. No one tells anyone anything. <sighs> yeah, because that's... You're right. Once it becomes... <sighs> big things aren't told. Everything yeah. is just like, well, just don't yeah. tell them. Just don't yeah. tell them. Because we don't know how to start I remember my Nana's face when I was like, oh, yeah, and I'm going to live with Mum. And she was like, <gasps> what? Say, I'm not living together. Um, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, so so I think that. And I think also sort of, so obviously with the, with the food and eating stuff with my nana, she was, so so this is all, I mean, that's kind of her background. Yeah, yeah, which is important. And, I feel like we also, need to know yeah, that. Yeah, we need to know that. But also she, what my dad is very funny, I have ended up working in comedy and it's all from her. Really? She is, was so funny. Was her Linda a little so joker? naughty and so funny. <laughs> wow. The cheekiest woman. She was like this <laughs> tiny little sparrow. Absolutely stunning. Wow. Like these br- big brown eyes and these incredible cheekbones. Thick black curly That's hair. How she bagged old Gordy back when he was yeah, working when he his was way around. <laughs> Although in that relationship, he I mean she was I can say she wore the trousers she was clever yeah ambitious um very very driven very focused always saving wow she got they never between them earned more i mean and gordy just did what he was told (laughs) they never between them earned more than 13 grand a year which obviously at the time was worth a lot more but even with that 
they lived in this big, I think, four or five bed house on a corner in, in Farnborough. It was a very up and coming area at the time in the 50s and 60s, yeah. 70s. And they bought a house in Sheffield where both their son and daughter went to uni for them to share. And when they sold that, they always then had a deposit for all the wow. houses that they've ever been able to get since. Yeah. And like, I don't know, they, 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 she had this, she was an incredible combination of so tight because of the war yeah. and because of fashion. And so, so she would, I mean, she would give you, you would have to be very, very wary about what, She'd offer you a mince pie in August, and you'd be like, "Oh, never! No, you quickly learn. You do not. It would be the chewiest, most. And a fridge. I mean, it wouldn't stink. She kept it spotlessly clean, but she would. She would drink that yogurty milk, but out of defiance. (laughs) But also, it'd never be her. It would always be foisted on others. So she had this. She was a massive, massive feeder. But conversely, hated, and I mean that word hated fat people wow so she would I've, I overheard her once saying to my grandfather to Gordy you are so fit heavy enough a piece of cake <laughs> like in the same sentence as if there's nothing wrong with that oh my god but, but also I mean the no- to go back to the funniness and the naughtiness she was just naughty yeah. constantly farting <laughs> squeaking out this beautiful woman constantly rippling out cracking out little trumps all the time and then just just smirking chuckling blaming it on an animal she had a cat called Mitzi who was evil actually but it was always Mitzi's bum hole that had done the deed um and, and very she was very kind of she she'd always say things wrong um she would always say like She'd instigate a game at, over dinner of showing a bit of food on your tongue. Oh, my God. And then, like, you, my dad would ramp it up so that it had gone too far. Yeah, And it'd yeah. be, like, you know, just, like, whole mouthfuls slopping out. And she would turn a blind eye, and then she'd want the game to finish, so she'd say, Keith, Jessica, I can tell that you are... I am not looking, but I can tell that you are rooting me. <laughs> Instead, oh, that, you say being, rooting all I the know, time. I know, and that's from her. I called my son Rudy. That's confusing. <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, I, she'd get things slightly wrong. She never, it was always a little bit Austrian English yeah, kind of mingled. Yeah. She'd say things like, I'm good. we should go for a frisk walk. <laughs> <laughs> and her P's and B's were always confused. So it was always like, eh, this is very unpleasant. Oh, yeah. well, I'm not surprised. She's called Helinda. Helinda. Not yeah. Belinda. Not Belinda. That's very confusing for everybody. So she marries Gordy and then mm. they, so they come over here after the war. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then, so then, yeah, so you've got your aunt and then your dad. So she was she very present when you were a child then? Yeah. So she lived near she adored, you adored, I think, she, I mean, I was, I was an only child till I was 16 and oh, I was yeah. spoiled. Like, oh, she adored me. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, they did, not far, about an hour, about an hour and a half, two hours right, away. Yeah, yeah. I grew up in Dorset and they were in Farnborough in Hampshire. Um, and I would go there for all my half terms oh wow so my mum's parents lived very near us and I would have my both parents work full time my dad works in London so he's only home at weekends and so I'd be with my English grandparents a lot in the evenings but yeah I'd had all my half terms with Nana and Gordy and they were amazing because I think I don't know 
you look back now and think, oh, they must have lived for it because they gave me all their time. Aww. I had My parents were busy with work, but also they weren't kind of like, what should we do now kind of parents? They're yeah. not more 80s about it. <laughs> yeah. They didn't really sort of interact, <laughs> just sort of survived. <laughs> very independent, very young. Whereas when I was at Nana and Gordy's, it was like, what do you want to do now? I joined Aww. in with all, she taught me loads of, I was doing, we'd always have these amazing clear Austrian soups and she'd teach me how to make these pancakes oh, that you cut wow. into strips to go with it. And it's always my job to go outside and cut the cut off a bunch of chives and chop them up and just put them in or you made these amazing sort of plenary type um, oh, dumplings. little dumpling things oh, to go yeah. inside um, oh, she had me and she taught me how to make schnitzel and stuffed peppers and but she also they had this very 70s house and they've only just sold it actually I mean oh. she she died I think 13, 14 years ago yeah. but Gordy's just gone into a nursing home about four years ago and oh. they've just it's lost it's, memory's almost completely gone now but they um yeah, they just sold the house, and um, but it, I have so many memories in that house. So I can't imagine what it's like for my, my dad and aunt. Actually, I don't. My dad doesn't give a shit. Uh, <laughs> I asked my dad for this. I was yeah. like, um, "Can I um, can I check with you any memories that I might have forgotten and stuff about Nana? And also, when did when exactly did she die?" And he was like, "I haven't got a clue." <laughs> That's his mum. But some people just have a very like they don't get into dates. Like I've not, like I've never, I've learned that some people, like some people are like, I can tell you the time, like I can tell you the time and the date and the yeah. year, of course, my and like well, when my dad died. But I know from other people, they're just like a couple of years ago, like, and it's almost like I think it's a choice. It's like I yeah. don't want it to be a thing, so it's not a thing. I think know? there's an element of choice with yeah. my dad and, <laughs> and an element of skunk. Yeah, so the choice is, the choice wasn't his choice. The choice was just also. I think there's an element of choice. Yeah, I don't yeah. think he cares about dates. It doesn't like yeah. poignancy at all. Yeah, exactly. Um, Some people get very like. Yeah. I don't want that to be like. Oh, on the day I feel this, yeah, so it's exactly. just a blur. Yeah. Um, I think it to the point where actually, when his sister reminds him, it's been this many years since Mum died. He just finds that annoying. Yeah. yeah. Well, often with my brother, I'll be like, "Oh, it's you know, Dad's anniversary coming up," and he's like, "Is it?" And I'm like, "To me, I'm like, how do you not like yeah. that?" So because to me, it's like burn like sort of like singed on my brain mm. but like he's like I just don't see it like that so that's what's ha- helped me to understand people do things differently they do don't they and actually do you know one thing that's given me a bit more empathy on that front is whenever I'm asked to give my own son's birthday which is oh, only two and a yeah. half years ago I know it but I panic yeah yeah because I, I feel like anything anything that there's a bit of emotional pressure on to yeah. know is a hor- horrible <laughs> I also feel like you're judged so badly if you don't say it yeah. straight away. But oh, often gosh. I think, so then they, when I'm asked her birthday, I think, oh, you better get this right. Better like make look, and I'm thinking, make it look like you know. And then that's a gap. <laughs> yes, that's a long In, in me thinking, <laughs> right, make this look good so you look like a good mum. <laughs> then they're looking at me and I'm going, I do know, I actually completely know it. I just <laughs> wanted it to look really like I did know it. And, yeah, it's so awkward. It's so awkward. So you spent an awful lot of time with them. I did. So you... I spent loads of time with them. We'd had lot. We had the other things. We had lots of lovely holidays together. They had lots of timeshares. Well, she had, they had their fingers in some pies. They didn't had some they? fingers in some pies. Yeah. They had lots of timeshares. So we had lots of very, very um, package holidays. Oh. So we'd go to like Tenerife. Oh wow! Just with Nana and Gordon. Um, my mum and dad would go as well. Yeah, yeah. But like, yeah, we'd stay in an apartment, self catering always. Lots of packets of soups. Lots of. Um, <laughs> And occasionally, um, my mum and dad would have to fight to get them to go out for a meal because they're so tight, oh. always saving. And on the occasion that Nana and Gordy went away for a holiday and my mum and dad um, house sat, my mum has a really clear memory of as they were driving out. So, I mean, it's it's not a huge drive, yeah. but as they were leaving, driving away, in full view of them, Nana was already going through the bins. 
<laughs> and like picking what... out like tins that still had two beans in. Oh my yeah. god! She always she was like my mum calls her the original recycler. Oh uh, yeah. But also she was yeah. just off her time. Yeah. She didn't bear any food waste at all. But similarly, yeah. like, so I would spend all holidays and stuff there, and she would feed me. I my mum found me once sat aged two with a bowl of jam and a spoon. <laughs> I wonder what? what I've always been a pudgling. A bowl of jam. And Nana's response apparently was, it is homemade. <laughs> it is homemade. It is homemade jam. What do you expect, Nikki? But there's this, it's this it strange thing, isn't it? And there's this, oh, there was so much strength and so much fragility in her all at once because yeah. of all this repression. My mum, my mum is a nurse for years and years and years. And um, at one point, I don't know what illness my nana had, but she really came down bad with something. And my mum had to nurse her. And they'd always had a fractious relationship, yeah. I think. You know, a very much mother-in-law, daughter-in-law relationship. And my mum had to give her a bedpan and wow. wash her, you know, yeah. intimately. And I think that changed their friendship forever. I think my, I think when you become one of the probably one or two people in the world that ever get to see my nana week yeah then you become quite special and i think that changed everything also i i think with the food stuff um i have a memory of really hurting nana and not in the way it was ever on purpose but i when and at the time i was like yeah i was fine with my parents breaking up <laughs> um when i was 11 but then I had a year of really lots and lots of issues around food yeah. lots of making myself sick lots of patches never went more than a couple of weeks but I'd go for a few weeks maybe sometimes three or four weeks with just having an apple a day and um fainting quite a bit and stuff and I remember going to stay with them during one of those and I remember it breaking her heart and she would never show any weakness to me but I was having a banana a day then because I remember I remember exactly how I'd eat the banana really slowly and methodically um and I remember dad phoning on the landline obviously and saying, and I had no idea I'd been upsetting her, but saying, I've had, I've had Nana on the phone to me every day crying, and I have never heard her cry, Jess, since I was a child over something. You know, I do, you have to, you have to eat something. And being like, oh, and then the next, you know, I turn around and there's this amazing cheese on toast with little chopped chives on it next to me and being like, all right. <laughs> and that was the end of that fortnight of, Aww, you know. And, but I, I think back at that now and think, oh, God. God. Yeah. Oh, it comes uh, from you don't think that... when you're in, in one of those spirals what you're doing no, to the people I think, around like, you. But that's... also, that's the worst possible thing I could have done to yeah. her is not accept her food because that's how her and my dad show their love. But then maybe that's why you did it because mm. that would have got a, th- th- maybe that's the attention, attention you needed to be yeah. like, I'm in, I'm, I'm a bit in, in pain and I don't know. Here. So, the way I'm, way I'm showing it is by yeah. rejecting your love because I'm angry at everybody. Yeah. So, it's not surprising that you went for that if it yeah. meant so much to her. But yeah, God, food in the war, it, it does, it fucked a lot of them up. It fucked a like, lot of them up badly. Yeah, yeah. it definitely did, I know. Yeah. And they're all like it, you know, say, oh, so fit. It's a conversation I love. Oh, really, about talking about fat people? <laughs> well, including like... And she I was mean, never I've fat. Been, she was never fat. No. And I, my, so my dad from pictures was a pretty porky five-year-old. Right, but yeah. he has always been pretty wraith-like in the time I've known him. But he'll call himself a disgusting fat pig when he's got even the faintest beer gun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're all completely screwed about what <laughs> But it does, yeah, like you said, it comes from, well, I, I don't know. It, I think it's not just the war, it's lack of control. And that yeah. must have been a period where there was literally no control yeah. over what you could eat and what you could do. And even funny enough, my grandpa talking, 
about coming back from the prison and war camp. Yeah. He said, oh, no, I was six stone when I came back. Now, I remember my grandpa being a big man. Right. Like, he used to say, try and put your arms around me. Try and make them meet. <laughs> and you'd never... So you'd literally... My arms would just get, like, round his belly. He was like a pregnant woman. He was so round. He'd go, go on, go on, Kelly. Try and make them meet round the back. And we'd have, like, a test. Because he was such... Like, he was like a ball. And in this talk, he says... He's like, I was six stone. I mean, look at me now. I'm ashamed, I'm ashamed, I'm ashamed. Oh, but I'd rather be like that. I'd rather be like this now than I was then. So, yeah, he yeah. and he keeps talking about salt. We have no salt. You don't know what life's like, do you? Don't have salt. Mm. So, like, obviously for him, I remember him eating so much, but he had had this four-year period where... Because he could, yeah. He was literally normal starved to death and people yeah. were dropping dead around. So, not surprising. <laughs> he enjoyed surprising. a Chinese takeaway. Yeah. Um, so, you stayed with him a lot. So, yeah. how old were you when you, she died? 20 or 21. Right, And okay. I remember it because I dealt with it appallingly in the sense that I didn't deal with it at yeah. all. Yeah, was she the first sort of big death you'd had to sort of come across? My, no, when, um, no, my mum's dad died when I was nine. Um, and I think actually that was a bit more um, healthy. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely a, a lot more healthy in how it was approached. I just remember he had been very ill. He, he was virtually blind he had diabetes and it's right. before they could manage diabetes like they could now my mum's got it now it's for, sort of hereditary in my family but he um i remember walking into my nana's house as i would always after school and my whole family there all my aunts and uncles apart from the one that lives in america who was on his way and just walking in and being told by my nana that he had died wow. and just and i think everyone had been up until that point um you know in shock talking yeah. about it and i remember walking into that room being told that and instantly going you know and really yeah. melting down and then they all suddenly have this license yeah, you were allowed this, the child is crying yeah, so it's not to be really and then it and so yeah and i don't remember his funeral but i was you know i don't remember that much more about that yeah. afterwards other than that my nana's a hero and has gone yeah. went on to just be so and is still is so active and happy and amazing. So she's still alive. Then? Yeah. Wow. And she amazing. lives in a little bungalow right next to my mum's oh. now. So my mum does her meals and stuff for her. But she, um, yeah, my mum cooks and stuff for her, and she has to have a cleaner and stuff now. And she's getting a little bit, a little bit more. She's eighty nine in a few wow. months, but she's but bit forgetful. But she's not like you know. There's nothing clinically wrong yeah, there. She's just yeah. aging, and her body's slowing down. And she does have patches. Had to have a pacemaker and stuff. There are times where you think, oh, yeah. um, but no, man, she's amazing. She's but that amazing. That sounds like that was obviously yeah. Like the emotion came out. Yeah, you were allowed the emotion to be came sad. out exactly. I was allowed Everyone to be said, sad. Everyone sad. wanted to talk about it. Yeah. My mum, if I want to, and she wants to, we can talk to each other about him now. Yeah. Len, there's you know, I have some fabulous memories. I remember getting in my new CD going to their house after school and asking him if I could put my new CD on and it was right said Fred <laughs> and um, I'm putting it on and like, oh, I'm too sexy for my shirt and I don't remember this but apparently I said to him by the way granddad I know what this music is it's actually sex music <laughs> sex music yeah at nine what eight or nine what? poor Len poor Len how do I deal with this Len just apparently thought it was hilarious um, he looked like BFG so that was the only other incident I've right, had so I've okay. been very very lucky I don't feel like I've had I've had hardly any tragedy in my life and so when Nana died um, <laughs> um, oh god yeah, so I've still got so much shame around this how did but, you find out what happened dad phoned me right okay yeah she had had 
kidney failure for a few months. So she'd been in and out of hospital having dialysis and she'd been in a massive amount of pain, very out of sorts, very bloated, not being Mm -hmm. able to drink very much. And I think it had only been a few months, but in my head it wasn't something she was going to die from. Yeah, yeah. Um, But also I think it had been pretty obvious that it was pretty awful. Yeah, yeah. It's sitting in group rooms having this dialysis done that was very painful. Yeah. The whole of life had become suddenly very painful. She's not one to be debilitated and yeah. in bed. Also gaudy, useless. <coughs> like, not... Yeah. He tried to fry a pork pie once. <laughs> like, she did everything in that house. Like, so it was like, oh, oh God. shit. Yeah. You know, and actually, of all the personalities not to of someone you don't want to be in agony for too long. Hers was up, up there, number yeah. one. So I think there was an element of relief. But there's also... Oh, I don't know. So so there was this element of relief. There was an element of relief in how it was put to me. Yeah. You know, I, there were no tears. I've still never, ever seen my dad be sad about it. Wow. Um, he told me that um, he went to the funeral of his... Uh, my sort of ex-stepmum's great aunt like so very many 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 steps removed and out of nowhere he said he cried his tits off at this funeral for someone else and he said he knew he knew that was his finally having a cry about his mum dying and that was a decade on yeah that wasn't that long you pack it deep it takes a long time to unpack (laughs) yeah um so he was just like yep you know mum's died it's fine it's relief you know i'll be honest i'm relieved you know that's how it's put to me yeah okay right fine and the funeral's on this date and it was in a few weeks time or whatever and then i realized i had a holiday planned with five girlfriends um, and I was driving them all from Dorset to France to a place we'd all spent all our savings on to hire. Um, Oh God, I think, I don't know if that's even true actually, but I just remember there was a lot riding on it and I was taking everyone. And now I look back at it and think, of course all those friends were saying, oh, it's fine, Jess, we get it, you can't come. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you, and I remember thinking, well, I don't think, you know, it's actually that big a deal. Like, I think she would have hated me to waste mm, the money she definitely would of this holiday. <laughs> yeah. And I remember saying to Dad, what shall I do? You know, shall I go, shall I miss the funeral? Because I don't, you know, I I just, oh God. I Because mean, I find this so hard to even admit because I can't believe I didn't go. But I didn't go. I convinced myself what she'd want is for me not to upset all those people mm. and all those plans and waste all that money. And the second I was in that car going on my way to that holiday, and I could tell from how my friends were like, I can't believe we're still doing this. Yeah. But then it's really. I should have gone. And I don't think that that my aunt has ever forgiven me for it. And I haven't quite forgiven myself yet. I think it's really hard to be. to judge yourself, like whatever, 20, 14 years Mm. on. And I do, like, I said stuff to my husband, like, why did I do that? And he'll go, you were 15 mm-hmm. and it's like yeah you were like 20 like what the fuck the 20 uh, the thing is no. as well though I wasn't sad yet yeah exactly. I wasn't and sad yet I, and, and it's not an excuse and but my dad isn't yeah. sad yeah my, my, my aunt was sad but my my aunt and I have a turbulent relationship yeah. so that was and of course you know and I also I wanted to be sad I, I really wanted yeah, to be sad. You can't sad. just we, make it appear. Like, no, and on, and on, and we were only away for about, I think, five or six days. And on the day of her funeral, I drove off to this, for like half an hour away to this church and mm. sat in this church on my own. And it wasn't, I'm more spiritual now than I ever was then. Yeah. I sat on my own in there for like a couple of hours, yeah. just willing tears to come. 
Yeah. I lit a candle for her and sat there feeling nothing, but desperate yeah. to have an, an appropriate emotion. But I, and I didn't. And I feel like, do you know what? I feel like I've had them all since I had a kid. Yeah, <laughs> I do. But also, like, people don't give credit to shock. Yeah. And that gr- the first bit of grief, and I won't say stages because I don't think they're stages, mm. is numbness. Yeah. It's shock and numbness. I didn't cry at my dad's funeral. I like my friends were there and I was talking to them and talking to my brother's friends and like I don't know what the fuck was going on. Yeah, and I really? think Yeah, and again this idea of appropriate like there people just have such an idea of like, right, I should be crying and wailing. Yeah. But it's like when you talk about your granddad, it's like, well, you know, he was old and it was you know, there was all these other things happening and everyone cried. So the adults showed you, Oh, this is just something sad. But clearly this woman was not a woman who expressed emotion anyway so then when she dies of course there's not an outpouring of emotion because that's not the relationship anyone had with her do you know what I mean so it's like I think it is people's reaction is often reflected like well how they were in life sometimes and that's not that's not a criticism it's just of course you 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 maybe didn't know how you felt about your nana because it hadn't Mm. been discussed in emotional terms it'd been discussed in food and hanging out on holidays yeah so then to be like well now you should cry like of course you're not just going to... Emotion doesn't just appear. It doesn't just work like that, No, does it? it doesn't. And I think the shock... But I still think that that was like this ridiculous, defiant, selfish act. And I don't know what... I don't know what caused it. I've never found the root of it, but I've always had a massive aversion to going to funerals. Yeah. Similar to Hindus. <laughs> In the sense that, like, as soon as it's announced, I know I'm meant to want that yeah, for yeah. De- different reasons. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Catharsis and a party. Mm. Um, or maybe not, both. Yeah. Um, but I can't... The very thought of it makes me think I can't bear it. Yeah. And I'm when I was at school, we... There's lots of um, road calming measures in Swanage where I grew up now. But there was a huge problem when I was a teenager of oh God, boys yeah, dying, yeah. boy yeah. racers learning to drive and dying in their cars. Loads of boys, like three or four a year, 17-year-old oh boys. And one of my sort of school friends, we weren't close, but I'd snogged him a few times, <laughs> uh, died in a car accident. And, um, and the whole school went to his funeral and I didn't. Mm. But I don't think that's good or bad. I just think it's about what you can and can't handle or what you're willing to... Do you know what I mean? I think we put these judgments on it of like, that was selfish, that was this. But I just think, like you said, why did you start eating a banana a day? It's like we do things sometimes that are because we're unable to process other things. Yeah. And if if death is something that scares you or you feel anxious about, like, then, yeah, going to a funeral is... I didn't, I've talked about it before, I didn't go to one of um, our very good friend's mum's funeral because we were away, I was away with my husband, we were living abroad, my husband went back for it and I did all the, no, it's fine because I'm here and it'd be too expensive, I can't get a train, Ben can get a train, it's easy for him. Yeah. And on the day, I was in, you know, only in France and I remember thinking I should have gone, mm. but I, it was upsetting me in a way that I couldn't yeah. vocalise. Yeah. So I think sometimes it's just, you're just unable to say... That isn't Say it. it. Also, I don't know. I think I have only until recently, and I mean really recently, like in my thirties, been able to comfortably cry in public. Yeah, yeah. And I still can't really cry in front of my parents. Wow. Yeah. I don't know what that is. I had a weird thing where I didn't cry for eight months after I had my son, and everyone oh, yeah, told me I'd have these crying days. Yeah. Nope. It's like I can't show weakness. Yeah. I remember when I was even when I was in my twenties, going like traveling around Central America, and I watched this 
went to an open air cinema in this back of this awesome bar in Costa Rica, and it was very dodgy. Just a big, big sheet showing a dodgy <laughs> copy of Million Dollar Baby. I don't know if you've seen that. It's very sad. And I sat there with all my new travelling friends to my right, and it's a sad film. I cried entirely out of my left eye. <laughs> I actually did. I didn't ask physically possible. I'm physiologically ashamed of crying in public. But then everything you said about your, but now da- I'm your up, dad well, and your grandma, like mm. you were like, it, and it's again, it's not criticism. It's just I like would a, hate to cry in front of my dad. I yeah. think that's part of it. If you're brought up still with now, that, I would hate that. That scene as a weakness or that yeah. scene is not what's done. Where do you learn that that, that you can do it? it yeah. Like it. it Again, cinemas, cinemas, but yeah, I think it's not. It's not about like when you when twenty year old Jess doesn't go to that funeral. I think the thing with past you and death is like you just have to forgive them because like they were dealing with something and they that's that's how they chose to yeah. deal with it. But that's not a judgment on how much you loved her or mm. cared for. It was just like your brain went, I can't really take this in. Yeah. If I go on holiday, I won't have to take this in. Yeah, and then obviously you get them think, oh, I. It hasn't gone away. She's still dead. Mm, yeah. Maybe. But then maybe you would have gone and been like, I wish I'd gone on holiday. This is awful. And yeah. it's not how I wanted to remember her. Like, yeah. the correct... That's the problem as well. Like, that's it's about upsetting other people yeah, as well. Yeah, it though. is. It's it when is, you yeah. know you've done something yeah. unforgivable in the eyes of someone who, you know, whatever. But, you know, there's nothing you can do about it now. No, and I also think that... And I do, yeah. That can... sense of unforgivableness, I think, is hard because I know, I think I upset some people. I know, I've never discussed it, but I know I had upset p- people by not going to this particular person's mum's yeah. funeral. No one said anything, but I felt it. And then I sort of, it was so horrible because you can't defend yourself because no one's saying you should have gone. But yeah. I really felt like I can't put into words why I couldn't, but I couldn't. Yeah. And that's shit and that's a failing on my part. But also people are, sometimes are weak and not as good as you want them to be. Yeah. Like to say it's unforgivable is like, oh, but it can't be. It can't be yeah. unforgivable. Like, because you're dealing with something so massive, you know. That's like saying if someone just given birth and being like, well, now you should do this. Like we both know. You you don't make the choice of how you deal with afterbirth. It just sort of happens yeah. to you. <laughs> you're just like yeah. you can think, oh, I wish I hadn't done that, but you're like, well, I had no choice. Like, yeah. yeah, that nobody could have swayed me either way. Yeah. So so yeah, you go on holiday and you come back. Yeah. And is she talked about? Like, does Gord like does Gordy talk about her, or is it is she kind of no? Is everyone just like we're not talking about it? Yeah, that's it. Wow. And is she buried? Like, is there a grave you can go to or anything like that? Nope. What, so was she cremated, do you think? I think so. No one even told me. No oh, one, my God. No one talks about it. My aunt will sometimes talk about her mum. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's not spoken about, but I think about her all the time. And weirdly, I can talk about her. I mean, it's not, there's no, I didn't feel any, uh, I didn't second guess myself when I texted Dad to ask mm. if it was any particular funny stories or sad stories or anything that he remembered because I was going to talk about her. Mm. Um, and also, can you remember when she died? And, you know, I didn't worry about him as yeah, I sent that yeah. message. And he was really jolly and got back straight away. You know, it's not it's not like there's a barrier about yeah, talking about yeah. it. It's just no one's got any incentive to. But I feel like I talk about, I, I think about her all the time. Wow. And I think that since having Rudy. Yeah. I, and also my partner as well, because I think she would have adored Mikey because he is a hoarder. <laughs> and she was a hoarder. She would have and approved he, of that. Well, I mean, I tried to put a hamper. An empty wicker hamper that there is no room for in our one glorified one bed flat yeah. that's got a hoarder's amount of stuff in, in the pavement with a note on it yesterday. And he nearly wept and went outside and brought it back in. Oh and now God. it's balanced precariously. 
underneath a fireplace <laughs> in with a load of cardboard boxes full of shit. Um, he, they would have adored each other for their wow. bin rummaging and keeping of everything. <laughs> and also, I just, I can, she was so, they had so much time for me. They were also so creative with me. Like, I was always building mm-hmm. things, carpentry, cooking, making stories, performing plays in the serving hatch between their dining room oh and kitchen. Oh, my God. She taught me every capital city in the whole of Europe. Wow. Like like all this stuff, all this time for me, and I can just picture them having it for Rudy. Yeah. And just like, oh, I wish. Yeah. I wish that. But luckily, like, do you know what? Luckily, Mikey's parents are of a similar, like, the Mikey's mum is really craftsy yeah. and they're really hands-on. But it sounds like, like really provided a part of child, your childhood mm. that was really important to you and yeah, special. And, and was only provided there. Yeah, that you yeah. really got something there where it was like... Huge. Like, it sounds like very sort of old-fashioned childhood. Like, you just make do and you have fun, like yeah. she did yeah. back in Austria. Which, yeah, I can... I was thinking about... It's funny, like, because I just heard this recording of my grandpa. And I was, like, thinking about, yeah, you know, he was a big, big character. But he was so important. To, like, it's funny when... Because I think there was difficulties with him and my dad sometimes and my uncles as well. But to me, as a child, you skip all of that. And all you see is this, like, yeah, this guy that, like, has lived this adventure. And he tells you stories. And, and he used to make me... He used to improvise with me, which I only no- realised when I started learning what improv. So he'd say, like, Carrie, give me five objects. And I'd have to tell him five objects. And he'd make a story involving them all. Which is like an improv That's amazing. Exercise. Yeah, and he'd be like, right, I'm going to get these all in a story. Once upon a time. And yeah, stuff like that. Like when you're a kid just becomes like, <gasps> they're magic, don't they? They yeah. just seem like magical people. Because they haven't raised you. So you have no none of that like, yeah, yeah but you did this, you did this. You're just like, <gasps> they're amazing. They're like, amazing. Yeah. And it must, she sounds like she was a really good nana. She was a really good nana. Yeah. And they always had like, even in the height of summer, like the fattest bedding. Such an enormous amount of bedding and electric blankets. <laughs> and also even the, I mean, do you know, even the racism, if you'd called her on it, she'd have denied it. Yeah. Uh, it was just a culture, it, it just wasn't, it wasn't something she'd ever thought through. Yeah, yeah. I remember as a teenager, uh, either me or dad calling her out for using the word P-A-K-I. Right, yeah. And she said... Set is just a shortening of the name, a nickname. She had no idea wow. it was rude. But I remember when I was, it, they just got a CD player, and I asked to play my new CD. It's obviously something I did with all my grandparents. <laughs> um, and she said, "Yes, you can put it on," and I put it on, and um, you can put it on, um, and it was Tracy Chapman. Oh, amazing! Good call, good, good call, call, lady. Don't you know? You and, know um, oh such a good album anyway she listened for a minute and then she went let me see the cover i don't know if you remember the cover yeah i do remember it's just tracy's yeah really close up orange background yeah short hair yeah and she just said oh it is a bonzo (gasps) yeah and and didn't throw it but dropped the cd case on the floor whoa what did you do? Just Even at nine, I went, I don't think you can say that, Nana. I love this CD. Oh, my God. I've <clears> never <throat> heard that. I've never even heard the word since yeah. or anywhere else, but it can't be a kind one. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. Austria's oh own. God. Wow. 
Yeah. And um, I had a black boyfriend. <laughs> I had a couple, but I had a black boyfriend when I, <clears throat> I was about, this, I don't know, 19? Mm. British-Nigerian guy called Anthony. We weren't seeing each other for very long, but he met her. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> and do you know what? I was dreading it. And yeah. I had warned him. And to be, it's not to be fair, actually, that's the wrong way of putting it, but his mum had been fascinating with me. Right, okay, yeah. Um, she had said to my face, you are horribly white. <laughs> and also <laughs> insisted that I didn't like her spicy cooking when I absolutely loved it. <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> he met Nana. Oh, my word. I was so panicked. And then I cannot tell you she was so funny, yeah. so charming, all over him, fascinated by him, lovely. They got on like a house on fire. Wow. I found out a week later <laughs> that as we'd arrived, she'd been waiting at the window. And apparently as we'd got out of the car, she'd said, oh, he is, it's black, yes, he is all spades. Oh, my but God. But she, she hadn't said anything. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I'm not saying it makes her any less racist. She was a massive yeah. racist. But actually, I wonder, oh, have you just never, ever met? Like a lot of people yeah, with horrible prejudices, you've never, ever encountered anyone in real life. Yeah. So it's just... Like you said, the music or the, those people yeah. are in a group over there, but to yeah. actually see a person and be like, oh, he's nice and he's talking to me. Yeah, and I don't think that would have ever been yeah. an issue, but, you know, she would have always... She was voted Conservative, which was as far right as you could vote, really, then. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, you know, she... <laughs> it fascinating. It's... Re I mean, obviously, it's... It's such a... It's like talking about the war. Like, it's really tricky territory because I... I think a lot of like our generation have like, grown up with grandparents mm. that were racist. Yeah. Apart from my grandpa, who was very like he had this big thing Super of like no, cool. no, like compassion to everyone. Mm -hmm. Everyone's just, but you, you do obviously you do have to remember historical. You know, it doesn't context. excuse it, but historical you have to give it context, the context, yeah, and not like, be anachronistic about it. But you know, you still have to go. Oh, not you know, yeah, it not wasn't okay. okay. Yeah. And I think even as a little kid, you know, you yeah. heard that and went, oh no, 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 no. We're not doing that no, anymore. Yeah. No, yeah. Not doing but that I, anymore. But she'd have just chuckled, you know. Yeah. I j you know, she wouldn't, I don't know. I, she never denied, she denied the horror of the, the system she was brought up in yeah, and under. Yeah. She would never have denied the horror of it, but she'd also never want to talk about it or say sorry to anyone. But it's not her thing. I mean, she was a kid. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but she was a, what, what an incredible combination of things. But also she was like a... I mean, she was just nuts. She'd do <laughs> things like their house burnt down. What? The house they had before the one I ever saw, and then the house they were in had a huge fire in it, but that was correctable afterwards. But both times, she had awful lungs because both times she was in and out, in and out, in and out. <gasps> getting, rescuing stuff. Yeah, objects. Oh, my God. Oh, she my God. Mad. Totally bad. <laughs> wow. So, um, so it's been like you said, been like what for forty, fourteen years or something. Yeah, it's gonna be thirteen or fourteen years. Yeah, and I do think, like you said, having a baby then sort of, I guess, because you're reminded of childhood again and what childhood you're going to create. Mm. But then isn't that kind of lovely that because they did that for you, you will now do that for Rudy and yeah. teach him how to make little dumplings and stuff. I see that's your so. plan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I hope so. Yeah. That's the amazing thing. You, I think, sometimes you just have to take the good stuff and process the bad stuff and then just go. But there is also this other stuff mm. that you can pass on even though she's not here. Totally, yeah. But how do you feel about death now? Like, 
are you someone who worries about it particularly or like you said you haven't had like a lot of lot of deaths I haven't had a lot of deaths um and I don't I know I've I think intellectually I know that I have to start going to funerals <laughs> I had I had a very dear teacher my most brilliant teacher in all my education I stayed friends with afterwards who'd had um, a huge stroke and so was quite I can quite changed yeah, for yeah. the last sort of 15 years died very recently maybe last year and um and I couldn't go to her funeral I had a big work commitment and I couldn't go and I again I felt this time I really analyzed it yeah I knew I'd, I knew it was uh, I ought to go mm. but I, I had this it was just an awful dilemma yeah, but it sounds like know. sometimes, like I think maybe you've got a thing about like, oh, it's me avoiding it again, rather yeah. than like each situation is different. Yeah, each situation is different. Actually, I, yeah, I don't know how I feel about death. I don't. I feel like I am. I feel my feelings. Yeah, I have very very extreme feelings. Mm. Um, just as I think as an as a grown up, I now have very very extreme highs and lows. Yeah. Which I temper mainly with lifestyle and exercise. And I, I think that's part of what terrifies me about death is mm. that when I lose someone very, very close to me, I'm f- fucking terrified of how I'll, yeah. of the lows. Yeah, I think it's hard, but you just, you, again, the thing is like, you don't know how you're going to process it. Yeah. And the thing I've learned is every death is different. Yeah, right. Yeah. So I think a bit like with kids, I have, I've only had one, but I, like, I know from speaking to people they'll be like well, every birth is is different and every child like you know when they're like oh they're so different to their brother and sisters like of course they are like they're individual people and the same with every death like I think I felt like that like the next death after my dad I was like <gasps> and of course there's stuff that of course there's stuff that hard but you deal with each one differently mm. based on so many things your relationship with them how you dealt with it when they were dying like so many factors can not protect you from those lows because those lows are just there for a reason they're there because you love that person yeah I don't know conversations like this and the amount that I think about Nana and the amount that I I think about that teacher as well Mm. you know I think next time someone important to me dies I don't care what the situation is I'm going to go and see what it's like to say goodbye in the space that's been assigned to say goodbye to them with all the other people like you're meant to and just (laughs) see what that's like yeah I think see what it's like you might go there and not Literally not shed a tear. And yeah. I feel that's the thing. And again, or I'm every- just make a mockery of myself. I think. Do you know what? I think there's another element of this. Yeah, is that you're never not expected to be f- the funny one when yes. you're a comedian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, that pressure. I don't know. The older I get, the less of a funny one I am. Socially, yeah, yeah, anyway. yeah, yeah same. <laughs> but it's just like, you know, I'm not. I'm not trying to impress everybody or get laid or whatever yeah. it was that was making me constantly clown at school or whatever. You know, it's not. Yeah. And now it's like, oh no, I would want to be the wreck. I'd want to be free to be the yeah. wreck. In that but space. like you were when you were nine, maybe you could be the wreck for everybody else, mm. and that would be really helpful. Yeah. I think it's like again, like seeing that. So, I won't be your rock. I'll be your wreck. <laughs> <laughs> Strength in wrecks. Yeah. Shipwrecks can be full of treasure. People will dive and inspect into, me. Dive into your bits. We've taken it too far. <laughs> find some treasure. Find some find some treasure in your dusty bits. Oh, oh God. <laughs> and it has been a while. Oh, <laughs> well, Jess, thank you so much for coming to talk hey, to me. Hey, thanks for having me. About Helinda. Thanks. You can follow Jess on Twitter at 
Jessica Fosterkew, remember, Fosterkew Gardens. And you can listen to her brilliant podcast, Hoovering on Acast. It's very funny, touching and tasty. What more could you want? You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at thegriefcast and you can email us, thegriefcast at gmail.com. Music was provided by the Glue Ensemble and the show was edited by Kate Holland with thanks to Whistledown Studios. And remember, you are not alone. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.